Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this podcast episode finds you well. I hope you're all having a wonderful day and a wonderful week, and I just hope everything's going well for you. I want to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. I want to continue to encourage you, if you haven't listened to all the episodes of the season, that you would go back and listen to the previous episodes in the seasons to hear the discussion we've had this season on the book of Proverbs and kind of some of the major themes of Proverbs, what's Proverbs all about, and what exactly is a proverb, and questions like that that you may have about the book of Proverbs. And so we're coming up to the end of the season, um, and we'll, I'll probably take you know at least a month or two break because we'll have a, a brand new baby in the house, and so it'll be a little bit difficult to find that extra time to prepare some of the lessons that I, I do. And so, but we'll, I'll definitely get back to it. And so we're gonna have this is only there's only two more episodes, this one and the last one, for this season of Thursday thoughts and our season on Proverbs in particularly. And so these last two episodes are going to kind of wrap up our study on the book of Proverbs. There's a lot more that we could probably dive in, well, that I know we could dive into, but you can kind of think of this season of Thursday Thoughts as kind of like a nice overview of the book of Proverbs without getting too too deep, not that you can't ever get too deep in scripture, but my point being like without a super detailed study that would, you know, take hour-long episodes. So today's episode we are going to be talking about, there are five of them in particularly. Uh, There are five sins that kind of stand out in the book of Proverbs. Um, And when I use, you know, when I think of the term popular sins, I don't really like saying that, but there are five prominent sins in the book of Proverbs that seem to encompass everything that's um, against being wise and following the will of God at least according to the book of Proverbs. And so we're going to be talking about five sins today, and particularly those 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 five sins are drunkenness, disrespect, illusion, greed, and pride. And so let's dive into our discussion today. Thanks to worldwide media coverage and the constant pressure for higher program ratings, sin has become an important part of our international entertainment. Evil activities that we ought to be weeping over are now sources of entertainment. They are vividly displayed on movies. Uh, they're vividly displayed in movies, TV screens, and discussed in depth in newspapers and magazine articles. The all-seeing camera moves into the bedroom, the bar room, and the courtroom and enables excited viewers to enjoy sin vicariously. Movies and TV are instructing generation after generation of children how to, you know, ridicule uh, virginity, laugh at sobriety, challenge authority, and reject honesty. Actors, actresses, and advertisers have convinced these younger generations that having fun, feeling good, and getting away with it are now the main goals in life. The book of Proverbs has something to say about popular sins that are weakening our homes, threatening the peace of our communities, and destroying our lives. And so the first one of these popular sins, if you will, that's that's almost like praised in our 
culture today is drunkenness, right? Alcohol is a narcotic, not a food. Proverbs warns us about alcohol abuse. We need to heed that warning today. You know, paying for the tragic consequences of drug and alcohol abuse in the United States drains $200 billion annually out of the economy, which averages out to approximately $800 per citizen per year. About 50,000 people a year are killed by drunk drivers, and millions of work hours are lost because of alcohol-related absences and work accidents. The United States consumes 60% of the world's illicit drugs. Alcohol is a legal drug. And drug users spend $150 billion in the United States just on cocaine. And so uh, I'm pulling some of this information from uh, Warren Wearsby, who has a commentary that, I, that I've used a lot in this podcast. And so I'm going to give him credit where credit's due in some of these in some of these numbers. But so we see where drunkenness, uh, basically when you see this word drunkenness, basically you can think of trying to get out of your current state of mind and find some other like kind of high, if you will. And so drunkenness is a bad thing, right? And so Proverbs chapter 20 verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, intoxicating drink. Wine is a mocker. Intoxicating drink arouses brawling, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. This is the first of several passages in Proverbs that warn against what today we call alcohol abuse. Alcohol mocks people by creating in them a thirst for more while not satisfying that thirst. The more people drink, the less they enjoy it. The drinker becomes a drunk and then a brawler. In spite of what the slick advertising says about the charm of the drink, it just isn't a smart thing to do. There's a Japanese proverb that puts it like this. First the man takes a drink, then the drink takes a drink, then the drink takes the man. Alcohol also mocks people by giving them a false sense of happiness and strength, and this is what often leads to fights. The weakling thinks he's Superman all of a sudden and challenges anybody who gets in his way. The grad school dropout, or excuse me, no, the grade school dropout, thinks he's the wisest person in town and argues with anybody who disagrees with him. And so uh, Warren Wearsby, who, like I said, I, I, I've taken a lot of notes from his, his uh, commentary uh, throughout this series in Proverbs, and he writes about, uh, according to an Associated Press uh, in, a, in a newspaper, a British charter plane had to make an emergency landing in Munich uh, because of a drunken passenger had slugged his girlfriend and started brawling with every other passenger on the plane. And so German police had to handcuff the man and drag him off the plane. After sobering up in an airport security cell, the man discovered that the airport had charged him $3,000 for the emergency landing and the extra jet fuel. So those were some pretty expensive drinks that this guy had. And so we see the proverb in Proverbs 20, verse 1, coming to life, right? Because alcohol just creates problems. Drunkenness in particular, I should say, creates problems. Addiction to alcohol can lead to poverty. Um, Proverbs chapter 21, verse 17. So it's wise to stay away from the people who encourage you to drink. Proverbs chapter 23, verses 20 through 21. Proverbs 23, 
verses 29 through 35 may be the most vivid description of the tragic consequences of drunkenness that you will find anywhere. Including delirium, sorrow, strife, bruises, and bloodshot eyes. And in the end, it bites like a snake and poisons like a viper. Proverbs 23, verse 32. You'd think that after having this frightening experience, the drinker would want to become a total abstainer for life. But however, he's a slave. When I wake up, so I, or excuse me, when will I wake up so I can find another drink? Proverbs 23, verse 35. And so we see that alcohol, it's a, it makes people a slave. It, makes, it wears people down and it binds them up to where they have no true freedom. I think about, you know, the New Testament clearly warns today's Christians about the sin of drunkenness, right? Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and enmity. Uh, Romans 13.13, 1 13, uh, Thessalonians 5.7 kind of talks about things like that. Galatians 5.21 names drunkenness as one of the works of the flesh, and that's opposed to the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 admonishes us to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Passages like Romans 14.1 through Romans 15.13 and 1 Corinthians chapter 8 through 10 instructs us to, number one, receive other Christians and not make Differences about diets and special days uh, uh, for spirituality. Number two, avoid being a stumbling block to others. Number three, seek to build one another up in Christian maturity. And number four, avoid being uh, obstinate and defensive about our own personal convictions so that they become a cause for disunity in the church. Christians with a weak conscience stumble easily and need to be built up. But stronger Christians are sometimes quick to criticize and judge and look down on others. Both groups need love, patience, and help of the Spirit. And so, with drunkenness, you know, even in churches, you'll find different different sides of the spectrum. You'll have some people who view even taking a sip of alcohol as a sin, and then you'll have other people who view, uh, you know, well... It's okay to drink some alcohol, but it's a sin to be drunk, and so it's about where's your limit. And so, you know, I, I'm not this. The, the point of this little discussion today is not to pick a side, and I don't. And you know, you can choose whatever side you want. You know, I have my convictions, and you can have yours. But the point is, the Bible is clear that drunkenness is a sin, and so that's something that no one can argue about. And so, whatever line you want to draw, if you want to drink alcohol or if you don't, you know, by all means, it's your life, your choice. However, you know, it's to me, you know, if you don't want to be a stumbling block, why would you go towards something that could cause others to stumble or potentially even make yourself stumble, right? And so, that's kind of my view just on those kind of things like that is is it's better to err on the side of caution, in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. But again, the point here that I'm trying to get you guys to see is that drunkenness is one of the main sins today that is almost like praised in our society, that it's fun to go out and get drunk on a Friday night with your friends. 
However, the Bible tells us that drunkenness is just a thief that will steal your joy and will ruin your life. And so are we going to listen to the world's idea of what drunkenness is or Scripture's teaching on what drunkenness is? And so let's move on into the next sin that Proverbs points out a lot. And so disrespect. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. Proverbs 30, verse 17. The child who looks at his or her parents with contempt and disrespect will one day be treated like an unburied corpse, and to be left unburied was a great dishonor in Israel. As uh, you know, I think about newspapers and news magazines, you know, I become it's more and more convincing that we're living in the generation described in Proverbs 30, verses 11 through 14, with its pride, greed, violence, and lack of appreciation for parents. Disrespect for parents usually begins with disrespect for the Word of God. A fool despises his father's instruction, Proverbs 15, 5. He who despises the Word will be destroyed, but he who fears the commandment will be rewarded, Proverbs 13, 13. Sometimes kids go off to college and they get poisoned by ideas that are contrary to Scripture, and then they come home and tell everybody how stupid and old-fashioned their parents are. Um, in other words, you know, sometimes, and it's even happening earlier than that now, uh, in high schools and in with kids on social media and stuff, this world is trying to corrupt them. I mean, if you look around at all the the awful, sinful things that are trying to be pushed on our kids, I'm not going to go into detail on those things, but... If you just look around at our world and the things that are trying to be impressed on kids, we, as Christian adults, um, er, or even if you're uh, a youth listening to this, you have to be wary and listen to your parents. Listen to the wise people in your lives, not to foolish people who don't follow God's will. Because Proverbs is pretty clear. If children, if young people maintain, or if anybody maintains a, a haughty or a proud attitude, they'll eventually rob their parents, Proverbs 18.24, curse their parents, Proverbs 20, verse 20, and bring shame to their parents, Proverbs 19.26. You see, under, under the old law, uh, children who disobeyed their parents and broke the law were in danger of losing their lives. And so, I'm not saying that disrespect for parents should be made a capital crime, but passages like Deuteronomy 21, uh, verses 18 through 21, and Leviticus 29 show how seriously God takes the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Children who don't respect godly loving parents aren't likely to respect teachers, policemen, or any other authority symbol in society. And so we talked about, so we see drunkenness is a major sin that is popular in the world today. We see disrespect is a sin. Disrespect of parents in particular is a sin that is popular in the world today. The world tries to tell these young people that, you know, you don't need to listen to your parents. You know, when you turn 18, you can do what you want for yourself. When in reality, Christian parents are trying to raise their kids in the way that they should go, so that way they will have long and fruitful lives and not be miserable. And so it's important that we try to combat these false teachings that the world tries to push on our kids and that we raise them up in the Word of God and teach them that respect is important. And so the third 
sin that Proverbs talks about a lot that is popular in the world today is illusion. And I'll explain what I mean. You know, we live in a world of illusion with, with people trying to impress each other. And I mean, social media is one of the biggest fronts for people. You know, the happy couple that's posting pictures on Instagram really is very unhappy and they argue every day. But if you just looked at their Instagram profile, you'd think their life is perfect. And, you know, the same thing goes with our, our Facebook statuses and all these things. You know, we sadly so many times we put on a front for people. Instead of just being honest about things and just being real with each other. Because a pursuit of truth per, uh, is a pursuit of being real with each other. One man pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has wealth. Proverbs thirteen seven. Worth is measured by wealth, sadly, in today's culture, not by character and conduct. As long as people have money and fame, they're considered important. To be rich and famous is the ambition of millions of people. Until they reach that goal, they enjoy riches and fame vicariously as they follow the career of their favorite celebrity. You see, wise people believe God's truth and live for reality and not for illusion. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. Proverbs 14.8 Some of the deceptive illusions people are foolishly clinging to today are... Things such as these. There are no consequences, so do as you please. How wrong that is. Everything has consequences. If it feels good, it is good. I can tell you in a million ways that how wrong that statement is. The important thing in life is to have fun. It's important to... It, it's nice to have fun, but that's not the important thing in life. The important thing in life is to live in accordance with God's will. And in doing that, you will have fun. But that's not but fun is not necessarily the most important thing. There are no absolutes. That's just that it, that in itself is a statement of absolute. And so that's just wrong. There are absolutes, right? If you go too far and you start driving drunk and you hit someone and kill them, there's no going back, and that's an absolute, and you know you're absolutely going to go to jail, probably for the rest of your life. There are absolutes. Living a faithful life will get you to heaven. That's absolute. There is an absolute right and wrong. There is an absolute truth, and that's the word and what God's will says. The older generations can't teach you anything because the world's different now. That's wrong because older generations have a lot of wisdom to give, and they've experienced life just like teenagers do. They were, because they were teenagers at one point. And just because there's more technology today, maybe than, maybe than, maybe your parents had, or whatever, that doesn't mean that your parents can't be a source of wisdom for you in your life. And so I think about, you know, to, tr to trust Jesus Christ is to know reality. Because he is the truth, right? The way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. To know and obey God's word is to know the truth. And to be empowered by the Holy Spirit is to experience truth. God is a God of truth, and those who know him by faith have no desire to frolic in the senseless illusions of the world's systems. Proverbs 2, 15 through 17. And so we have to be careful not to live a life of illusion. Basically, a lot like we have to stop lying to ourselves and trying to live a false life and live in truth and understand 
what our place is in this world and what our job is in this world. The fourth sin that Proverbs mentions a lot is greed. He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house, Proverbs 15, 27. Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of, a, of man are never satisfied, Proverbs 27, verse 20. Warren Wearsby writes about, uh, in, in a 1994 Money Magazine survey, indicates that Americans are a greedy people and will even cheat to make money. According to that magazine article, 24% said that they wouldn't correct a waiter who undercharged them, up from 15% in 1987. 9% said they'd keep money found in a wallet, up 4% from 1987. Here's the saddest one of all, I think. 23% said they'd be willing to commit a crime to get $10 million if they knew they wouldn't get caught. The love of money is still a root of all kinds of evil. 1 Timothy 6.10 God calls covetousness idolatry because a covetous heart puts something else in the place that God rightfully should occupy in our lives. But the modern business society applauds covetousness and they call it ambition and the first step to success. Business magazines praise the pyramid climbers who get to the top no matter how they get there. Unfortunately, this contemporary view of success has invaded the church and some Christian workers have thrown ethics and godliness aside in their quest to become important and successful. We've kind of already, well, I don't think we have, but Proverbs talks about wealth, right, and how there's... You know, the emphasis in Proverbs is on seeing material possessions as a gift from God, thanking Him for them, and using them for the glory of God and the good of others, not for yourself, and not looking at money as something that you earned. Um, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, taught his people this, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, and all the ways you can, and all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, for as long as you can. If ever there was a prescription for curing, for curing greed, that's it. And so, you know, drunkenness, disrespect, illusion, and now greed, this fourth one we've looked at, are the are sins that our world has popularized today, and like how that and they're almost praised, and they're, they want the world wants you to seek after these things, and how we, and we see that God wants us to take a different approach to these things and view them for what they truly are, not for the illusion that the society is trying to play on us. And so, lastly, and probably the most deadly sin there could be—I mean, if you want to call it that—you know, all sin is deadly and all sin is bad, but. Many, many theologians, many ministers, uh, spiritual people believe that pride is the sin of all sins because it was pride that changed an angel into the devil, right? If you read Isaiah 14, 12 through 15, Lucifer's I will be like the most high in Isaiah uh, 14, verse 14, challenged the very throne of God, right? So that's prideful. In the Garden of Eden, it became... You will be like God, Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. Eve believed it, and you know the rest of the story. Glory to man in the highest is the rallying cry of proud 
godless humanity that's still defying God and trying to build heaven on earth. The proud and arrogant man, Mocker, in his name, he behaves with overweening pride. Proverbs 21-24 Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. Proverbs 18-12 God hates a proud look. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 17, and promises to destroy the house of the proud, Proverbs 15, 25. Just about every Christian can quote Proverbs 16, 18, but not all of us heed it. Pride goes before destruction, and a pride and a haughty spirit before a fall. Solomon illustrated our desire for recognition and praise by writing about honey. It is not good to eat much honey, so to seek one's own glory is not glory. Proverbs 25, 27. Balance this with Proverbs 25, 16. Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. If honey represents praise, then beware of trying to digest too much of it. More than one celebrity has admitted being sick of it all and wishing he or she could just enjoy life as a normal average citizen. I think it was, you know, maybe it was a, a late night radio comedian one time named Fred Allen, uh, Warren Wiersbe says this, who, who defined celebrities as people who work hard to be famous so they have to wear dark glasses so as not to be recognized. The pride of life is one of the commodities that the world system offers. 1 John 2, 15-17 talks about that. And most people will pay anything to acquire it. Bible commentator William... Barclay said, Pride is the ground in which all the other sins grow and the parent from which all the other sins come. If we're going to get rid of the poisonous fruit, we have to attack the dangerous root. And that's a painful thing to do sometimes. For the believer, the answer is found in obeying the Christ described in John 13, verses 1 through 17, and Philippians 2, 1 through 18. Pride is basically us saying that, God, I know better than you. And pride is dangerous because how dare we try to think that we can do something better than God. We have to hold ourselves accountable and think about who we are and how we need God. And so these five popular sins that we've talked about, right, drunkenness, disrespect, illusion, greed, and pride, have been, with, have been in the world since the beginning of, since the times of the flood, since, since the apple was eaten, since sin entered the world, they've been around. You know, maybe it's more prevalent today because of news coverage, or maybe it's because we're in the last days. We expect to find these sins among lost people, but we don't expect to find them in the church. And so if the church ever hopes to witness to the lost world, it must be different from the world. Paul learned that the believers at Corinth were getting drunk at their church meetings, and he warned them that drunkards would not inherit the kingdom of God. Some children in the Ephesian church in Ephesus were not respecting and obeying their parents, and Paul reminded them that the fifth commandment still applied. The apostle John warned the saints to whom he sent his first epistle that the world was passing away with all of its illusions and that they had better keep themselves from idols and unstained from the world. Jesus warned his disciples, Take heed and beware of covetousness. Paul wrote to the Colossian believers, that covetousness was idolatry. Paul cautioned the churches not to appoint young Christians to places of spiritual leadership, lest being lifted up with pride they fall into condemnation of the devil. 
And John had to deal with proud Diotrephes, who was ruining uh, ruining and running the church and wouldn't submit to the authority of God's apostle in 3 John verses 9 through 11. Sometimes these sins are found in the church. But James was right. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. James chapter 3 verse 10. And so as Christians, we have to be sure that we don't allow these sins that are that are almost put up on a pedestal by the world to not enter our lives, into our homes, into our churches. We need to be strong, we need to be brave, we need to be courageous, and we need to withstand sin. And we need to withstand the ways of this world. We need to be strong, we need to be brave, we need to be courageous. We need to be the people that we need to be. We need to remember that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and self-control and discipline, right? And so we don't need to fall into the trap that the world tells us that we need to have these things. We need to view things in light of Scripture. The book of Proverbs is a wonderful book with daily practical wisdom that will change your life if you follow it. And it talks about these five sins and how they're not good and all of them lead to destruction. All of them lead to failure. And so, people who buy into these sins, they're going to fall. And so the question is, is are we going to help them see that there's a better way? Or if you yourself struggle with some of these sins, are we going to have self-control and see that there is a better way to live? And so, I hope this podcast has been entertaining. Well, more knowledgeable than entertaining. But I pray that this podcast has been a blessing to you, and I pray that you've learned something from it. Let's remember to stand out and make a difference. God bless, guys.